Hello, and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show, we celebrate the creations of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes so that we can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate it if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their work. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. Today's horrific tale is a published piece submitted to us by the brilliant E.A. Gilmartin. This is a tale of love and loss, and perhaps a monster. Come join us now as we present to you The Color Mortimer Had. Waxen hands clung desperately to the yellow cloth as labored breathing resounded throughout the room. Darkness had settled fully upon the chamber, which was stagnant with the air of death. A sigh sliced through the stillness, and upon a wooden chair a woman shifted tirelessly. The vigil was to continue. Amalia placed a cool hand to her brother's forehead, alarmed at the heat that issued forth. It was intense, baking. How was it possible he still drew breath? She reached for the cloth whereupon the youth shuddered violently and it fluttered his eyes open. Her hand stopped, and she tensed. Malia, he cried in stupor, his eyes unfocused, unseeing. Put the clock away, the chime. It rings so loudly in my ears. Away, I beg you. His hands thrashed wildly in the air, the right one still clutching the yellow cloth. Malia, now accustomed to these frequent outbursts, grasped his arms and pressed them to his thin chest. She stared intently into his dreadfully pale face, a smile curving the corners of her lips. Mortimer would be fine, she knew. After all, he was not mother, was he? Moments later, sleep had once again taken its hold. Amalia wiped his forehead with yellow cloth and was mindful to return it to his hand, which promptly closed on it. She was about to take her seat when there was a light rap on the door. She raced toward it quickly, her long skirts trailing to the floor. What? She hissed impatiently upon opening the door. The figure recoiled as Amalia stepped out into its dimly lit hall. She became aware of the damp coldness of the manor and wished for some slippers. What is it? Amalia demanded testily of the housemaid, Evelyn Tipping. I came to check on you and your brother, Amalia, the older, portly woman answered. And to give you this. What? What? Miss Tipping produced from her pocket a letter that was immediately ripped from her hand. As it was torn open, she asked, How is Mortimer, the dear boy? I had to look in on him, Amalia. The doctor thought it best. Towering over her, the young woman glared down at Miss Tipping. I am perfectly able to care for my charge, Evelyn, and well, you better know that. Amalia brushed past her and stepped into the arc of the candlelight. Sweeping her long, black hair out of her face, she read the letter. Miss Tipping watched the increasingly troubled look on the young woman's face. Concerned, she asked, what is it stain, my child? Without turning, Amalia held up her hand. She was on the verge of tears, childish tears that demanded to be placated, but she blinked them back. The letter was from her father, Sir George Green, as she had expected. He had left their home in Gravesend last month to visit friends in London for the holidays, leaving behind Amalia and her younger brother. Although she would not admit it, even to herself, she wished he were here now. He won't be home Thursday, as promised, Amalia answered quietly, but her burning eyes betrayed the anger inside. Damn him, she thought. The rare times he was needed, he was nowhere to be found, like mother.
Well, Evan, the young woman said with forced gaiety, I do believe the Green Manor remains an anarchy. What say we throw a party? Amalia, dear, please get some rest. I'll stay with Mort through the night. You've a husband to keep. Aye, a bottle of gin will keep him. The woman replied haughtily, then eyed the thin figure before her. You've not slept since when? A fortnight by the look of you. Come now. Amalia took the calloused hands between her own. Evelyn, you are so sweet, but no. Mortimer is mine. I mean, my flesh and blood. I care for him well, and it will be different this time. I've heard fate whisper. Now go, she softly commanded. Evelyn eyed the young woman with pity. So much the girl had had to endure. Eleven years previously, in 1881, the girl's mother had succumbed to tuberculosis. Sir Green had been away on one of his frequent ventures, leaving behind only an elderly maid servant to tend to the family. Twelve-year-old Amalia had nursed her mother as best she could, a valiant girl, but to no avail. Although Evelyn had never met the woman, she had heard that Lady Green had been quite a noble and virtuous woman. It was apparent that her lot in life and eventual demise was Sir George Green himself. Now looking at Amalia, her pale and drawn face saddened her and made her hatred for the young woman's father grow. Amalia so looked like him and was quick to temper as he, yet Evelyn could not fathom such cruelty and bitterness in one so young and innocent. How she wanted to ease her pain. I will abide your wish, child. Lord, forgive me, but I will rise with the dawn and you shan't keep me out. Thank you, Evelyn. Be sure to give Mort the water from the pantry. It is cool and freshly drawn, and keep him warm. Lots of blankets. Yes, yes, now off with you, Amalia cried, impatience rising in her voice. Evelyn nodded, pecked her on the cheek, and scurried down the dark hall. Amalia waited until the last of the woman's footsteps echoed throughout the manor, and then tore her father's letter into pieces. The very touch of it repulsed her. She raised her bare foot to stomp it, obliterate any part of him, but stopped and tilted her head to one side. Her ears strained for any sound, but found none. A dream image then flashed into her mind of something stalking her, lumbering through these desolate halls towards her chamber with deliberate malevolence. She shook her head as if to rid herself of this image. Foolish, foolish, she scolded herself, and then entered her brother's chamber. The warmth from the fire struck her immediately but cold dread filled her as she set her eyes upon her brother's supine body. Such an innocent he was, so mature for his nineteen years, yet he also possessed an irresistible boyish charm. Amalia professed to be his keeper, but at times wondered who actually kept whom. Again, she sat by his bedside and went to reach for the yellow cloth with which to stroke his damp face. But a soft moan escaped his parched lips and his eyes opened, seeking hers through the darkness of his chamber. He managed to smile for her, and Amalia trembled with the weight of her love for him. What a precious joy he was. Quite a nursemaid, Amalia, he croaked, barely above a whisper. She was about to retort, I've been a nursemaid before, but held her tongue. Comparing the situation to that of her mother was very inappropriate indeed. Mortimer would survive this bout of illness because she willed it so. Instead, Amalia replied, and you have been a perfect patient, quiet and asleep. Mortimer began to laugh, but then was seized by a fit of coughing. Alarmed, Amalia took hold of his arm and squeezed, not knowing what to do and feeling quite powerless. It finally subsided, and Mortimer settled farther back into the pillows as if too weak to even hold up his head. 
Amalia stroked his fine black hair back from his brow, her eyes fixed on her charge, yet they were far away and dreamy. After a few moments, Mortimer softly said, You're thinking of Mother, aren't you? Startled, Amalia drew back her hand. No, no, I was... I was thinking of next Sunday. You promised to take me to Kendall's dinner party, dear brother, and I'd intend for you to keep your word. Mortimer smiled, but it was purely a reflex and soon vanished from his face. Malia, we both know I am not at all well. You did the best you could by mother, and now me, but I believe it is out of your hands. You must begin to think of the possibility that... Hush! She shouted, bringing her hands up to her ears. I will hear nothing of this sort. Reaching for him, desperately grasping at his bedclothes, she continued, Why, you look better already. There's some color in your cheeks and your eyes are bright and... Amalia, he said in a barely audible voice, and she quieted as if commanded by the gods. Amalia, I quite worry a lot about you, and more so when father is around. I sometimes fear that he won't provide for you if I am not around. That is why I hesitate to leave for the university next autumn. The university, she exclaimed. The university? You've never discussed that with me. Father and I have discussed it. Amalia felt a wave of jealousy, anger, even rage. She fought for control and dismissed it. You intend to go? Barring the circumstances of the moment, yes. Leave me? Amalia, you're 23 years old. I think it best for you to marry as soon as you can. Leave the manor and get away from father. Mary? Why, looking after you is my occupation. She teased as her fetch at humor. Mortimer was not fetched. He sighed and was silent. Not for lack of words, but energy. He could feel it ebbing away, draining from his body. Mortimer loved Amalia and was protective of her. It made him sad that she had few suitors, and her habit of locking herself away in her chamber during their visits would preclude any chances of married life. And if he were to... were to... Come, say it, Mortimer, he thought. If he were to die, who would stand between her and their father? In some respects, they were so frighteningly alike, not that he would ever admit this observation to his sister. Unfortunately, the similarities they shared were qualities belonging to the darker side of the soul. Mortimer, how could you leave me? Amalia cried, breaking the silence. She stood and glared accusingly. After all I have done for you, you secretly plan to abandon me? You and father? I will not have it. Hear me. I will not have it. Amalia, Mortimer croaked, suppressing a cough. Did you think things would go on as always? You and I locked in a child's world, running the halls of this manor as if we were beyond the grip of time? No, it cannot be. It is time to move on, Amalia. Begin a new life. It is not as if we'll never see each other again. I tell you, I will not hear of it, Amalia cried, eyes wide, backing up. Her chair fell backwards, unheeded. The young woman stood by her brother's bed, fists clenched thin chest heaving up and down. Mortimer feared what he saw in her dark eyes, and he wished to sink farther back into his pillows and escape what now stood before him. No, 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 Mortimer. You will do no such thing, Amalia whispered, her stance softened, but her eyes continued to blaze. You need me to care for you, too. Amalia broke off, alarmed, as her brother's face turned into a hideous purple color, and he clawed at his neck. 
the yellow cloth in his hand waving frantically like a flag of surrender. Amalia grabbed him and forced him into a sitting position. She pounded his back, and through her mind ran a chant, Oh, please, no, oh, please, no. Finally, the youth spat out blood and phlegm and drew in a breath. Relief washed over Amalia as she laid him down. Mortimer's eyes were glassy, not quite able to focus. Breath rasped weakly in and out of his lungs, and his pallor was very nearly that of slate gray. Oh, what have I done? She whispered, drawing her hands up to her throat. Frozen, she watched him and slip into unconsciousness, to a world where she could not reach him. She stood there for some time, her heartbeat loud in her own ears, drowning out the ticking of the clock and the wind at the window. Suddenly, so aware, Amalia raced from the room as if possessed. She fled to the sanctity of her chamber and welcomed the darkness that enveloped her. Chills whispered across her skin like invisible fingers reaching for, grasping for purchase. Despair then washed away and rage flooded from a deep well within. Pacing back and forth like a cage animal, her skirts fluttered about her thin legs and bare feet slapped down on the cold stone. You want to take from me the only thing I have ever loved? She thundered, shattering the silence. Take me already! I will no longer bear this torment! You have my soul. What more do you will? Amalia stood, arms spread downward, expecting tears to come. None did. She wished she could purge herself of the vile poison inside, yet it was so much a part of her that to lose the hate and rage would be to shed her identity. Unable to vent her tumultuous emotions, the young woman pulled at her hair in frustration and moaned softly. Whirling about, Amalia caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror that was streaked with moonlight. A gasp escaped her. What stared back at her was inhuman, a travesty of anything good. The long black hair was a cloak surrounding a pallid death mask from which two glass eyes peered. The mouth was a crooked slash, pulled back into a grimace of revulsion and disgust. The body beneath the black dress was shapeless, lending it no form. The face then appeared to contort, the reflection to move independently of her reality. Amalia screamed into the darkness. Oh yes, her reflection was mocking her, leering at her with those hate-filled eyes. Oh yes. Yes, indeed. The demons had finally come for her, as she knew they would eventually. The thought sat in the back of her mind, nearly forgotten, but always present. Come to claim her, mind, body, and soul. Have her they would. The reflection which had been glaring accusingly seemed to melt and transform into the self she was at twelve. Young Amalia kneeling at a bedside, tending to her stricken mother. But no. She was not tending to her mother at all, was she? No, the young girl was just kneeling, dispassionately watching her dying mother writhe in the final moments of her life. Was that a triumphant smirk on her face? Yes, it appeared so. When Amalia was nine years old, her father had traveled to Africa, the Gold Coast, and had not returned until nearly a year had passed. Upon his return, he had brought her a simple gift, a wood carving of a strange yet powerful-looking woman. The statue was almost grotesque, with its exaggerated femininity, surely her father's idea of a cruel joke, but Amalia found herself irresistibly drawn to its power and fancied that she was the woman and the statue a mere tribute to her. Power. That was what it represented, and young Amalia suddenly found herself intoxicated by it, that her mother was now wholly dependent on her. Water, Amalia, darling, please. 
I just gave you some, mother. Now lie back and rest. Had she done that? Had she denied her mother critical attention on a whim? No, Amalia thought desperately. She had not wanted her mother to die. Not consciously, she supposed. But, but she had thought how exhilarating the power was, the fragility of human life, so easily extinguished. And would it not be the ultimate victory to steal away one of her father's treasures? Her father, who would no more care for her than he would a wretched dog. Pitiful, ugly Amalia, who could do no good. Reverse prayer, whispered like an incantation at her mother's bedside, wooden doll in hand. What words had she spoken? What bargains had she struck with the demons of her youth, who now arrived to claim their due? The memory, fading. Derisively, the mirror held only her horrified reflection, startling Amalia with her own empty, soulless eyes. They had already taken her soul. What further price could they exact from her? She thought the sound began inside her, a trip hammering of her heart maybe, but as she listened in the dark she realized it was not so. Someone or something had entered the manor, deliberately making its way to the staircase, evil eyes bright with intent. Amalia felt every muscle tense in an ecstasy of terror as the malevolent creature she brought into being lumbered up the stairs. She would wait for it and allow it to consume her, be done with it all, finally. But as it reached the top of the stairs, it turned not left, but right, headed toward Mortimer's chamber. As Amalia screamed, part of her could sense its vile laugh of triumph. It would succeed in killing the only good part of her, and yet allow her shell to go on existing. Such cruelty was beyond comprehension. A door down the hall creaked open, breaking Amalia's paralysis. She raced to her own door and threw it open. Her eyes, already accustomed to the dark, could make out no figure in the hall. It was dreadfully quiet. She stood there a moment, puzzling over what she had heard. Could she be so exhausted as to have imagined it? Was it possible? No, there was a sound. Faintly, she could hear the thrashing of bedclothes, and in Amalia's mind flashed an image of Mortimer struggling against the monster of her creation, it shaking him, the yellow cloth flailing about, the yellow, the hope, his hope. Amalia ran to her brother, her only light in an otherwise dismal life. But as she entered the chamber, all was still and silent. The air somehow seemed heavier as the young woman made her way across the floor to her brother's bedside. Mortimer lay there, twisted in his bedclothes, arms outstretched in a futile gesture. His eyes were open and no longer bore the disheartened look of the past few days. They were now eyes gazing upon freedom, unlike those of Amalia, whose were tethered to a defeated body. She sat and sat as she had promised Mortimer she would, faithfully keeping vigil watching over him as he had done for her so many times in life. Nothing else would distract her. Not even Evelyn Tipping, who crept into the chamber with the early hours dawn, screaming at Amalia to come away. He's dead for the love of God! To put down the yellow cloth, to come back to the living. Not even that. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page.
Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to this show. Check out the links in the description as to how you can do this. Until next time, my friends, keep it creepy, keep it horrific.